companies haven't been getting credit for the great work that they do in many of these areas. They do the great work, but because they don't track what they do, because they don't communicate what they do, they don't get credit for it. So just as compliance, I think, has enabled companies to get credit for their efforts in the anti-corruption area and trade controls area. Now ESG is going to allow companies to get credit for what they're doing in all these other areas in a holistic way. ESG has exploded into compliance and business consciousness in 2021. Join Tom Fox, the voice of compliance, on the ESG report and learn about sustainability risks, opportunities, and issues that business leaders and compliance professionals need to know about regarding ESG. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. And today we have Mike Monroe. It turns out that Mike and I are almost related because of our legal work over the past X number of years in Houston. And Mike has a relatively new venture that focuses on ESG, among other things. So, Mike, first of all, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate it. So, Mike, could you tell us a little bit about your professional background? Sure. I've been a lawyer for a, a long time, long, long time. Worked for global companies for over 30 years. I was with Dow Chemical for 18 years. Director of Global Ethics and Compliance at Baker Hughes. CCO, Vice President, Deputy General Counsel at Transocean. And my last gig was Chief Compliance Officer at Odebrecht Engineering and Construction down in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Now, I was brought in after they had their issues and they were looking for some help. So you've certainly had a career with lots of companies whose names are well known to many compliance professionals, and we could probably talk a long time about that, but that's not what we're here today to talk about. We're here today to talk about Global Compliance Management and Response, or GCMR. So first of all, I wanted to ask you, what really led you to move from a compliance-focused practice to something much closer to ESG? Great question. and. The answer and the reason is similar to why after Odebrecht Engineering Construction, I decided to go off and start a firm and to start more consulting work. And the background is that no question over the past you know, 10, 15 years, it just became clearer and clearer to me that compliance, compliance programs, compliance efforts really have a broad-based application. Whereas, you know, they started off 15, 20 years ago, just focused on anti-corruption issues, and everybody was looking at the FCPA and, you know, tens of millions of dollars of fines and ultimately the billions of dollars of fines. It was clear that the elements and the focus of compliance programs and efforts are really applicable to a much broader area. So, after I finished up my project work at Odebrecht Engineering Construction, I thought now's the time to help lead the way with others and bring what all of us have learned over the years regarding compliance programs and, and their value and the things that they're focused on and make sure that they can also bring value to other areas. And so that brought me into ESG because clearly that is an area that does need to be a, a lot of help, a lot of work. So, Mike, one of the things that uh, intrigued me about your story was 
that you saw the natural evolution from compliance to ESG. But let me start with asking, what are some of the skills you see that a compliance professional has which really lends itself to either leading or being a part of the leadership team for a corporate ESG effort? There's no question in my mind that what makes a chief compliance officer a compliance function successful is the ability to work cross-functionally within a large organization. To have an effective compliance program, to have a compliance program that's not just check the box, a company really has to bring in many different stakeholders within the company. Make sure that all those stakeholders understand what the issues are, understand what they need to do, understand their role in compliance. And and that is exactly what is needed in ESG. ESG covers the breadth. As we all know, compliance itself is, is a component of governance, but ESG covers the breadth of areas that absolutely require people, functions that are able to cross-functionally work together, make sure that everything is understood, make sure that the reports are correct, make sure that things are functioning well. And again, that skill set of a chief compliance officer of a compliance function, I think is very well tied to ESG. So, Mike, let me turn that question maybe a quarter turn and move from the skills of a CCO or compliance professional to compliance programs. What overlap or even evolution do you see from compliance programs to moving to ESG programs? Compliance programs are clearly focused on making sure that people understand what the issues are, making sure that people are able to relate and ensure that they are complying with all of the rules. So as, as you know, Tom, a lot of compliance is focused on training, is focused on reaching out to people and putting in place policies and guidelines and ensuring that everybody is not only following the rules, but is tracking what they do. That is absolutely similar to ESG, Whereas what needs to be done going forward is in a wide range of areas for people to understand what their specific responsibilities are relating to ESG issues. Once they understand those, they then need to ensure that those are tracked. I mean, ultimately, ESG is is reporting. And then finally, which hasn't really happened a lot yet in the ESG area, auditing and verification of what has taken place and what has happened is absolutely key. So all of those things that happened with compliance programs early on, where you started with a very basic program and then you moved to training and then you moved to tracking and then you moved to auditing investigations, those similar things need to happen with ESG. Mike, when I started my compliance consulting business and I would meet with companies that did not have a compliance program in place, and this was circa 2010, I would tell them that you have 90 to 95% of a compliance program in place. You just don't call it compliance. So around gifts, travel, and entertainment, I would use the example of employee reimbursement form and the information used from that procedure around compliance. And when I started looking at ESG, I really found or I believe that 
that's almost true now, that companies are doing a lot of ESG. They just don't call it ESG. It might be human resources. It might be supply chain. It might be due diligence on third parties to know who you're doing business with. It might be reporting to the board. It strikes me that there's a lot of ESG being done, but once again, it's not being called ESG, and it's certainly not being documented and then tested. Would you find that to be a fair assessment or perhaps something different? I agree. And, and the one area, a couple areas that you left out, uh, which very consistent, is environmental and safety. Absolutely. Companies today are very much engaged in environmental compliance and ensuring that, that their companies are following all, all the rules and they're tracking a lot of data with what they're doing in, in the environmental area. And same with safety. Safety is, is an important part of S, of social. How are companies treating their people? How are companies ensuring that, that their people are, are working safely? And again, there's any global organization, especially manufacturing companies, have very strong, strong safety cultures. All that data is being tracked. All of it's being followed. People are being trained. They're doing a great job. But you're exactly right. What hasn't happened is that type of data has not yet in many organizations been brought together in a formalized fashion. And, and really, and I completely agree with you, companies haven't been getting credit for the great work that they do in many of these areas. They do the great work, but because they don't track what they do, because they don't communicate what they do, they don't get credit for it. So just as compliance, I think, has enabled companies to get credit for their efforts in the anti-corruption area and trade controls area. Now ESG is going to allow companies to get credit for what they're doing in all these other areas in a holistic way. Like I'm very intrigued by your comments around safety. We both grew up in the energy or petrochemical industries, either as uh, outside counsel or in-house counsel, and safety was paramount. In the 80s, I was involved in some litigation where there were catastrophic plant disasters, major loss of life, major loss of property, and there was a, and then of course the Exxon Valdez. And those led to sea changes in the way safety was thought of in organizations and really made it a part of the culture. And many companies, I would heard it said safety is number one with our company. But no one had really thought about the safety in terms of the social or sustainability. Is that a message that you're able to communicate to your clients that, guys, you're doing safety, you're doing safety the right way, you're just not thinking about it in terms of the culture you're building? Yes, absolutely. I, I was with Dow Chemical for 18 years and safety had to be number one. You had an, an upset in, in a plant and like you mentioned, a lot of people can die. I was also chief compliance officer at Transocean uh, during the BP Deepwater Horizon disaster and safety issues that resulted there. It is absolutely a key part of the social story as how people are making sure that they themselves and others around them are working in, in a safe manner. So as you said before, companies have just always not thought about these areas that they're doing today, that they're actually spending a lot of resources, a lot of effort, a lot of focus. And that is where part of ESG really intrigues me because it does allow for this holistic explanation 
of all these good things. Uh, people often say, you know, ESG, it's a lot of negativity and, and you are going to be criticized and there's risk. That's true. There are risks. You got to be careful. But ESG does allow for more of the positive story to be told. And, and that, that really is where sustainability reports came in and so on and so forth. So absolutely, when I talk to clients about the safety issue and the fact that they've been tracking in the U.S. OSHA recordables for decades and they're able to show these wonderful improvements over time, that is very positive and that really needs to be part, and it is the part of what a lot of companies are doing in regards to ESG reporting today. Mike, and just listening to you and talking with you in this podcast, it really strikes me that I don't think in the compliance world, if I can step back a moment, we focused enough to the culture of safety. And it was safety was siloed, basically. I learned a lot from safety in terms of training, but listening to you, it seems to me that we can learn a lot about safety in terms of culture and things like speak up, things like raise your hand if you see a problem, because we taught the lowest level plant guy, if you see something unsafe, you say something. And that was reinforced at a toolbox meeting every Monday and a safety moment at the corporate office for every meeting. Would it also be fair that we can learn a lot from the culture of safety in addition to the tactical aspects of safety and that they would use in training and how to improve a safe workplace? No question. And and along with that, in particular for global companies, and I've worked for all all the companies I work for were, were large global companies, the safety message and Every single country and every single office and every single plant or every single offshore drilling rig when I was with Transocean was identical. People absolutely understood the importance of safety. They knew they had to follow the rules and they followed the rules everywhere around the world. And that is the culture. To have a culture that people just live and they breathe safety Ultimately, that is where compliance should be. And that's where, again, I see ESG going, where people start viewing the responsibility of a company and what the company does holistically, that they have to continue and they have to live the environmental issues. They have to focus on social issues, you know, ensure that they're not involved, their vendors not involved in slave labor and and just, you know, things that we, we all agree on. And that, and of course, with compliance and governance, the anti-corruption is, is always there as well. But you're exactly right. Safety cultures have been embedded in global organizations throughout the world, regardless of the local culture. That's exactly where we need to be with compliance and ultimately with ESG. Let me use that global organization to maybe pivot a little bit to GCMR. Because you're a global organization and in the compliance community, for instance, Loidette by Morrow is known very well and she's a part of your team. So I was wondering if you could talk to really the breadth and scope internationally of what your company brings to the table. Well, it was absolutely important for us and each member of GCMR understands that when there are compliance issues, when there are sensitive issues, including those involving ESG-related areas, that having a local knowledge and presence is absolutely essential. And so what we did as a, a team is we looked for other individuals that were like-minded, that understood 
how important and sensitive these issues are. And we have brought together a global team. So we, we have an individual in Singapore and in, in Dubai, a couple in London, in Paris, in Sao Paulo, here in Houston, both coasts, where we are just absolutely focused on making sure when we provide services to a client that we are first and foremost stressing that local issues have to be understood and we have the team to help do that. And obviously we're not in every single country in every area, but with our breath, we will be able to provide the type of services and a real life counsel that a company needs to do whatever they need to do with minimal risk and highest effectiveness. Mike, we've had a lot of discussion coming out of the Securities and Exchange Commission around ESG and ESG reporting. But the thing that's more intrigued me about ESG at this point has been the investor community, the shareholder community, the financial community, the lending community, and now even the insurance community have all embraced ESG as a metric by which they may choose to invest. They may choose to make a loan. They may choose to finance. They may even choose to to insure or not insure, but it may influence the cost of an insurance premium. Are these business solutions, in your opinion, really going to drive ESG to the next level, or is it going to be more of the regulators? I believe it'll actually be uh, the parties that you just mentioned. It, it has been historically the, the investors, now the, the insurance companies, the, the banks, the development banks, as they are continuing to stress the importance of ESG, it's getting a lot of attraction. Ultimately, I, I do believe there will be some regulation and the SEC may uh, very well come up with this year with some rules regarding uh, greenhouse gas emissions and, and possibly a few others. I don't think the regulation side is going to be extensive, at, at least in the short term. So where the big push, in my opinion, is going to be is with those investors, is with the financers, which is extremely important to virtually all companies. The only other piece I, I, I would like to mention, I think we all need to continue to watch, is there is a push primarily out of the EU what people would like to do is see sustainability elements be the same as financial standards. So the you know sustainability standards, there really is a push to make those in particular for publicly traded companies or any companies that are having their financials audited to get them to the level of financial standards. If that happened, that's a whole nother level because that's where the accounting firms, the people who are doing the, the company's financials, won't sign off unless they're able to verify these issues. Now, I don't think that's going to happen tomorrow, but that's clearly a direction that things are going in. And the EU are seriously considering doing something like that now. How many elements and how extensive that's going to be, I don't know. But again, in answer to your question, I believe for at least a shorter term, it's going to be the investors banks, the development banks that continue to push ESG and other people that say, this is really a good thing. If we do this right and we start early and, you know, we, we are careful on the risk side that there's a lot of benefit to doing this, just like compliance. Mike, one, I know you offer a wide variety of services, including helping companies put ESG programs together, but I wanted to ask, do you provide services or are you called upon occasionally to help in a pre-acquisition or 
a potential investment scenario where you're looking at a proposed target or, or a proposed investment for ESG issues? And how do you help a client think through that, one that's on the investor side? Well, for larger acquisitions, the good news, there are a lot of ranking agencies out there and the companies are being assessed today by a number of those agencies. But what really has to happen, and for those of us who have been through acquisitions, and I've been through a number of them, I was with Dow Chemical, I led, helped lead their acquisition of Union Carbide Corporation. You often don't have a lot of time and there's uh, often just, uh, you know, sometimes weeks to, to make decisions. So what is very important and what we have done is we've put together a a very simple list of the key ESG items that need to be assessed and should be assessed and can be assessed relatively quickly. So what we did is we we took a look at all the different metrics out there, whether it's SASB or whether it's GRI and and others, as well as all the ranking uh, agencies, and, and we collected those and combined them into a very simplistic list of here are the key areas and you're exactly right. What we're able to do is help a company look at those key areas, the areas that really when you lay them out, they're very consistent between all the different agencies and decide that the target is doing these things or they're not. And a lot of times, as you mentioned earlier, Tom, they may be doing them, but they just haven't tracked them. So what then needs to happen is there needs to be a very quick analysis to determine what is being done and pull that into the overall due diligence and determination. So, yes, that's something that we've done. And the way I think we're most effective is we're not just tied to GRI. We're not just tied to SASB. We're not just tied to even one of ISS. But we've looked at all of those and we've consolidated them in a way that they can easily and relatively quickly be assessed when a company's looking at an acquisition. Mike, one of the other things that strikes me, a natural evolution of compliance to ESG is how do you assess for ESG? In the compliance world, we we call it a risk assessment. And then you would build your risk management strategy around your risk assessment, get information, data to monitor your proposed risk management strategy, and then implement and upgrade through continuous improvement. Does that basic format work in ESG to start with some type of assessment to see where you are and then build a program based upon what you find in what I'm going to call a materiality assessment? In a lot of ways, it's even simpler because what you're you're looking at are specific elements that need to be assessed to determine where the company is at regarding those elements, okay? And it's a finite list. And so you're able to make your list, depending on the company, depending on the industry, and you're able to look at very specific items and say, where are we at regarding those specific areas? Now, all those other things you mentioned are important and they need to be done There does have to be materiality assessment. There does have to be an overall strategy as to how a company is is going to be addressing certain of these issues because, you know, those, those issues may not be where the company wants to be in five years. So part of the story and part of the value of ESG reporting, sustainability reporting, is being able to tell the whole story. But I truly believe that sometimes people make this more complicated than it has to be, and that where many companies start off with 
is that list. So you sit down and you say, these are the areas that are important for us. And there's lots of examples out there. SASB has their industry-specific elements. GRI is now building theirs. They have for the oil and gas sector. So you're able to look at that finite list and then determine what you need to do or where you are. And then all the issues regarding materiality, while you ultimately report those, whether you build a strategy around them, whether you actually have the information, which is a challenge. So probably the biggest gap, I think, would be once you laid out your elements that you realize that today you are not getting all the data that you need to accurately report on a specific element. And that is where the challenge, I believe, is going to be for a number of companies. And the sooner companies get started and deciding what elements they're going to report on and the fact that they need to collect that data, the better they're going to be. And that type of assessment can be done and the company can be moving forward in this very important area. Mike, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this podcast. But before we leave, I wanted to ask you if our listeners wanted any more information on GCMR, any of the topics you brought up today, or or perhaps to connect with yourself, what would be the best way for them to get more information on ESG? Probably the easiest way is just to go to gcmr.com. We have a website. There's a contact button at the end, and, and you can send an email. I'm also on LinkedIn. And that's Mike Monroe, M-U-N-R-O. So you can find me on LinkedIn and send a message. Would love to connect with you. This area is going to continue to grow. This area is going to continue to get a lot of focus. And what we're trying to do, and it sounds like you're trying to do, Tom, is, is just help people understand what is this all about. And that's where, I, in my opinion, that's where the fun is, is helping people understand you know, again, this is not as complicated as a lot of people seem to make it. It's something that has to be done, and there's a lot of value there. So let's work together and, and do it right. Mike, thanks so much for taking the time to visit with me. I'm going to make a request, which is I hope we can continue this conversation. Okay. I'd love to, Tom. It'd be great.